I'm John Carter in Moscow. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, reporting from India. In Colombia. I'm John Carter. Today on the Carter Report, John Carter talks about same-sex marriage and the mark of the beast. Welcome back to same-sex marriage and the mark of the beast. Now I'm talking today not as a politician. I'm not a politician. I'm a minister of the gospel and a, and a humble Christian. I believe the Bible. And therefore, I want to say to all my friends who are watching the telecast today, I just want you to open up your mind and say, is this fair and reasonable? I believe what we need more than anything else in America today is more tolerance and more love and more kindness. And so I want to share these texts with you. Now, the first text uh, I'm taking up from where I left off in the last session. I want you to turn over here to Romans chapter 1, 24 to 27. In the last ses uh, session, I took a text out of the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to take one out of the New Testament. We're going to come to Romans chapter 1, 24 to 27. And I'm going to ask you, put yourself in my situation. How can I, as a person who professes to follow Christ and the teachings of the Bible, how can I disregard these texts? Please be honest and tell me. Paul says, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who was blessed forever, amen, for this reason. God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Is somebody going to say to me, that's hate speech? Are people going to say, are liberal people going to say, I'm not going to allow you to teach these things? You've got to take this Bible out of the church? You can't teach this in church schools because we don't believe in freedom of speech for you. But the Bible says very plainly here, the sex between men and men and women and women is forbidden in the scriptures. And as Martin Luther said, my conscience is bound by the word of God unless I'm convinced by reason of the texts of the Bible, I cannot and I will not recant. So that is, my friend, the Christian's stand and the Christian's dilemma in our liberal society. Some time back, I saw an interview with Pastor Rick Warren and Piers Morgan on CNN. And... Uh, 
Piers Morgan, who was doing a stint from the great land of, of England, uh, said to Pastor Rick Warren, who has been called uh, America's pastor, he said, how can you be against same-sex marriage? He said, well, Rick Warren said, uh, Piers, my problem is the Bible is against it. He says, well, isn't it time for you to update the Bible? Isn't it time uh, for you to get rid uh, of these uh, offensive passages? Pastor Warren said this, and I would say the same. We love homosexual. Hear this? We love you. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. We love you. But the Bible says homosexual acts are wrong, just as adultery is wrong. All sins are are wrong. I believe being homosexual is not a sin, but choosing to break the law of God is a sin, whether it be fornication or adultery or any other sin. Now, in America, we have here a great organization called the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored Persons. They have made same-sex marriage a civil rights issue against the views of the vast majority of African Americans in this great land of the United States. But I would point out today, you can't choose your color when you're born. Perhaps you can't choose your sexual orientation but you can choose what you do. And so this is not, I would say respectfully, this is not a civil rights issue. This is a moral issue. May I say this, and I say it in love, but I say it. The media generally, not everybody, but the media generally is opposed to Christ and Christianity and represents the liberal left. Many of those people are atheists and Marxists. And they seem to want to pull down Christianity. They seem to want to pull down the cross at every opportunity. And if they can poke a finger at some pedophile in the church they jump for joy, but I want to remind the media today about this important truth. What corrupt ministers and priests do, this has got nothing to do with Christ and the Bible and the Word of God. Please do not confuse the issue with all this smoke. The liberal left, I say, Look at the sex scandals in Hollywood. Look at the sex scandals among the stars of the media, left and right. Look at the sex scandals among the politicians. And these are the people who tell you what to do. And most of us, pardon my saying it, are so naive we believe what they say. Today, when you turn on the news, you don't get the news, you get somebody's opinion. 
whatever happened uh, to news. So what am I to do? I'm talking to myself. I will not surrender my faith. Remember Luther. If you ask me to participate in a gay marriage as a Christian, I will politely say no, because this would involve my right to worship God, and I'm not going to be dragged back to the days of the Dark Ages when people were so intolerant. I refuse to go backwards. You have the right to do, to choose to do what you want to do, and I have the right to do the same. And God helping me, I will be true to my conscience and true to the Bible, you see. Remember, many on the far left, like those on the far right, are motivated by the spirit of intolerance, and they believe in freedom of speech. They certainly do, but only to themselves and for themselves. Uh, recently, I was visiting the beautiful city of Sydney. I went to the town hall where once I held evangelistic meetings, the city hall. And next to the city hall is one of my favorite spots. It is the Anglican Cathedral. And the Anglican Cathedral and the Anglican people in Sydney take the same stand that I do because they believe the Bible. And they have issued a warning from the Anglican Church. The Church of England in Sydney says Christians in Australia can expect to be persecuted. And therefore I say we must remember Martin Luther who said, here I stand. The Christian church must say, here I stand. My own denomination, my own church, I'm an Adventist Christian. My own church must step up to the front and say, here I stand. And not be babies. And not be cowards. It's easy to be brave when there's nothing to be brave about. It is time for Christians to say, here I stand, I will stand with the Anglicans, I will stand with every person, whoever he is. The next question, do I have the right to love everyone, as President Obama once said. In an interview with Pastor Rick Warren, Senator Obama said, listen, these are his words. I believe that marriage is the union between a man and a woman. Now for me as a Christian, it is also a sacred union. God's in the mix, said Senator Obama. Why did he change? Remember President and Mrs. Clinton and Doma, the Defense of Marriage Act? Don't you remember President Clinton saying, uh, I will defend uh, marriage, which is the sacred union of one man and one woman? Don't you remember that? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten the pledges of President Obama? I will answer the question, do I have the right to love anybody, with another question. Do I have the right to sexually love little children? 
Do I have the right to love many women sexually? Canada is grouping now of this problem. They are a, they're all for same-sex marriage, but now there's a great influx of people coming into the country who practice polygamy. How can they say that is morally wrong? So we'll take this and we'll take that and we will be our own gods. Do I have the right to sexually love animals? Some say yes. But as a Christian, I say no, 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 no. And many who are not Christians agree with me including many honourable members in the gay community. They say, polygamy is wrong. I say to them, who says? Many of these people do not believe, who do not believe the Bible will often take a correct moral stand based on romantic feelings of right and wrong. Why? Well, we, we think it's so. I want something more than romantic feelings of right and wrong I want an infallible guide, and that infallible guide for me is the Bible. Forgive me. May I remind you that all great civilizations have been built upon the moral code found in the Ten Commandments. You can't just say, this is wrong. You must have a reason that is bigger than your personal likes and your personal dislikes. You see. Once upon a time, there was a great dam. It stood solid and firm uh, for many years. It was here in the land of America. It was holding back a mighty sea of water. But then there came a man who drilled a hole into the wall of the dam. Soon there was a little trickle, then a rush, then a flood. President Obama without trying to do so, was the man who drilled the hole in the wall of the dam. And you say to him, why did you change your viewpoint? Because you said things to Pastor Rick Warren, you agreed with Bill Clinton on the defense of marriage, and most American people have forgotten all of those things. What's wrong? Could it be the politicians gave up their moral standard because of votes? Not a moral issue anymore. How can I get the votes? Now, I have news for you. When you bore a hole into the wall of the dam, you can be sure of one thing. The flood is coming. The flood is coming. You can laugh. You can sneer. You can make it look good. But the flood is coming. Would you come over here to Jude, the book of Jude? Second last book in the Bible, Jude, and verses 4 to 7. In the holy word of God. Now can you see why some people hate the Bible? Because it condemns them. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. 
ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. They were saved and they were lost. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their first abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Judgment is coming. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. There's a flood coming. I think of the words of that really great man, Thomas Jefferson, who said, I tremble, tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Almost everybody today believes that America is in a moral free fall. And national apostasy will be followed by national ruin. He said, I tremble for my country. Would to God we had leaders like the founding fathers of America. Why did you quote Revelation 13 that talks about the mark of the beast? Because the mark of the beast is fundamentally an attack upon the law of God. Daniel 7 verse 25 is a parallel prophecy. Daniel 7, 25, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hands for a time and times and half a time. Without giving you an exegesis, the mark of the beast is tied up, my beloved friends, with an attack upon the law of Almighty God. The mark of the beast is tied up with an attack upon the law of God uh, by the government, which will then enforce its own laws. Pretty scary, huh? In the Garden of Eden, God gave two great gifts. You can read it in Genesis 1 and 2. The first gift was marriage. Genesis 1:27. Two gifts given in the Garden of Eden. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. This is marriage, one man, one woman. Now, Genesis 2, chapter 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The first great gift that God gave to the human race was marriage. And the second great gift that God gave to the human race was the Sabbath. Genesis 2, 1 to 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed 
the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Look at me and listen up and listen up real good. In the Garden of Eden, God gave two mighty pillars of society. Marriage and the Sabbath. The devil hates them both. When you destroy marriage and the Sabbath, hell is not far behind. Now listen to this. Listen to this. My authority, you, some will say to me after this telecast, well, the Supreme Court says so. That makes it right. That doesn't make it right at all. Aren't you listening to me? The Supreme Court is not the Supreme Court. There is a Supreme Court in glory. And when the Supreme Court contradicts the law of God, I contradict the Supreme Court because that is our authority. Not the Supreme Court and a bunch of politicians shaking in their shoes. And let me read you something. Karl Barth loved this statement, often quoted it. When the holy day becomes the day of man, society and humanity wither away and the demons rule. The great German theologian, the greatest theologian probably of the 20th century. When you get rid of the Sabbath, he says the demons rule. The same happens when the holy union of a man and a woman is replaced by a man-made institution. Society and humanity wither away. The essence of the mark of the beast is the acceptance of God, man's law, instead of God's law. When the state changes God's law and enforces it, there you have, in essence, the mark of the beast. When you accept the law of the state in the place of the law of the creator, you are bowing down and accepting, in essence, the mark of the beast. So it matters, doesn't it? Hmm. Therefore, what is my conclusion? What shall we do? I speak as a Christian... Uh, not as a politician, I speak as a Christian who believes the Holy Bible. Number one, resolve to love all people, even the intolerant bigots on the left and the right, and show an attitude of tolerance, not for the sin, but for the sinner. We all need love and grace. We're all broken. We're all broken. We're all born broken. The heterosexual and the homosexual, we're all broken. Number two, stand up and speak up for Christ. Do not be intimidated by lawless men and women. When we were in Ukraine in 1995, the government said to me, close down the meetings or else we'll put you in prison. I said, go ahead. Try it. Whether you're going to close down, no. 
That was a word they'd never heard before. A preacher saying, no. Therefore, stand up. Don't be intimidated. Number three, prepare for persecution. While Billy Graham was out running his great campaigns, he was a moral force. He was the conscience of America. He said, Christians will be persecuted in the United States by the United States government. Get ready for it. And number four, rejoice that you are called to serve Christ in difficult times. When I was in China, I met a pastor. Because he wouldn't give up his faith in the days of Mao. He was tortured, thrown into prison for 10 years, slept on concrete, beaten every day, starved. After 10 years, they let him out. They put him in another prison on the concrete, being beaten, went on for 10 years. I felt I was in the presence of greatness. May God raise up in his church men and women who will stand for the truth though the heavens fall. Therefore, therefore, I say this to you, to my Australian friends, my American friends, my friends around the world, I say to you, unless I'm convinced by reason or the text of the Bible, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Therefore, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. And amen. And amen. In the series, This I Believe, Pastor Carter reveals the heart and soul of the Carter Report. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Ten Commandments. I believe in the true gospel. I believe in the last days. I believe in the America that believes in God. I believe in heaven. I believe in evangelism. This, I believe. The seven DVD series, This I Believe, can be yours with a gift of $75 US or $105 Australian. Please write to us at the address on the screen or visit our website at carterreport.org. Pastor Carter and the Carter Report team recently returned from Russia. They brought back with them a special report on Putin's new Russia. I've gone there 49 times because I've seen the power of God. John Carter would like to offer you this free one-hour DVD. Report from Putin's New Russia. 
That is why I believe uh, that the greatest gift is the gift of the apostle. Write to the address on the screen, call or visit our website and receive your free DVD report about Putin's new Russia. I have seen Pentecost. I have seen uh, the power of God. Get your free DVD, Report from Putin's New Russia, and watch the amazing transforming power of the Gospel of Christ. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.